So Alan had a secret, and his secret was he had an entire closet full of monsters. A little weird. And most people, like Elizabeth in this shot, really would think that's something a little wrong with that. Until we step back from Alan's life and we start to see the whole picture. And it isn't just that he has sort of action figures in his closet. He also had a father who died of ALS. And it was a thing that he did with his dad. What was amazing to see in that shot is Elizabeth gained understanding about Alan. And as she did, she began to be able to love him even more. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about understanding and how God wants us to have more of that in our lives. We're on our second week of our series called Spring Planting. And as you can see, our tree is getting more and more full by the time Christmas comes around. It'll be all kinds of stuff up there. But um, no, we won't keep it until Christmas. But we, uh, we are doing this uh, series where we're talking about the things that we want in the fall in our lives we need to plant in the spring. Now, most of the gifts of God we can get just this second. If you want the gift of salvation, that gift can be yours. And we'll pray about that with you after church you want the gift of forgiveness for something, or if you want to forgive somebody, we can, we can pray about that, and that will happen instantly. But the gifts that we're going to talk about over this series are the gifts that we actually need to plant, and then we need to cultivate. And so last week, we talked about wisdom. And uh, remember, wisdom is a combination of knowledge, which comes from God, from the Bible, and from the world. It also comes from humility. So when we get to that big mountain, like Lewis and Clark did, the Rocky Mountains, we realize we can't climb it on our own. But most of all, it comes from Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just that Jesus was the embodiment of wisdom, that he said wise things. It's that he did the wisest thing ever. He died on a cross. And for the wisest thing for you and I to do is to kneel at the foot of that cross. By the way, we just want you to know we do understand that the economy's bad. There's a lot of things people are doing. And so we just want you to show you some things people in our community are doing to help. There's a guy who has a door that's put on the board here. There's also a, a fix-it in the bathroom. Some guys doing the cheap fix-its. Yeah, there's a, these aren't a knot actually in our community. Just they were off the internet, okay? You're like, let's do it. Here's a Mercedes-Benz that someone to fix with a hanger. Here is a, a, a street that the city put a little uh, garbage can in. Some people can't afford, you know, mixers, so they're going with blenders with a stir thing. They can't afford microwaves, so they're going with that one. Also, people are fixing the cars with Pringles cans. You've done that before. You needed one of these this morning as the day started. A little bit of... Anna, of course, your headlights, if they go up, a flashlight there. And it's such a bad economy that even cats and dogs are asking for money. So we know that. So, all right. By the way, we want to welcome some of our listeners this morning who are listening from San Antonio, Texas. We welcome you. And also, we welcome those from Virginia Beach. And uh, we hope that you feel as much a part of this church as that you are here this morning. Well, today we're talking about understanding. The dictionary defines understanding as perceiving the meaning of or significance of something, sympathetic or knowledgeable about. But as usual, that doesn't really show us really what it is. My favorite understanding of understanding is a, a puzzle. Imagine you're putting a puzzle together and you only see one piece of a puzzle. It doesn't really look very interesting. But as you start to put those pieces in the puzzle, you begin to understand what the whole picture is. A guy came to me uh, not too long ago on a Monday. He was real upset. And I just love talking to people on Monday who are really upset. But he said, Graham, I'm really upset. There was a woman in church on Sunday, the day before, who was inebriated. And I said, um, was that before or after my sermon? But anyway, no. Uh, she's, he said she was, uh, she was 
she was not uh, in a state of mind which is good for church. And I said, well, that's not good. Tell me who it is. Oh, he said, well, it's this person. I said, well, okay. Let me tell you, that person's spouse just passed away. She has three kids and she's on welfare. She also has a terminal illness herself. And she has a whole history of alcoholism in her family. And as the guy began to see the pieces in the puzzle and the larger picture of her life, she was able, he was able to have understanding about who she was. The Hebrew word for understanding is binah. Would you say that with me? Binah. Whenever you say a Hebrew word, you can throw in any kind of ah, inflection you want. And uh, binah literally means to build. It's fascinating. The word understanding in Hebrew is to build. The notion is that if you just put one brick into a house, you can't really see a house. But as you begin to build that house, you begin to see what the whole thing is supposed to look like. God wants us to have like a building notion about our lives. Let's take a look at our text. Now, Paul is talking today to a group of people from Colossae, uh, the Laodosians, and they feel they have an understanding of the world based on one brick. You ever meet somebody like this? You know the phrase, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. These, not, these Colossians had a dangerous knowledge because they only had one brick. It's called Gnosticism, knowing. When you only know one thing, that's Gnosticism. So he is asking them to have understanding. Let's take a look at our text, and then we'll uh, listen for what God wants to teach us. This is what Paul says. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. I love how personal the Bible is. He is struggling for you, for me in my life. I have the great honor of only starting one church, thank God, in my life. This will be my first and last. Paul started 13 churches. And he wasn't just, like, he didn't just move away like some, he stayed as pastor of each of these churches. And so he was struggling for them in different countries. He says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you, for those in Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, here's his purpose. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. God wants you to leave today feeling more encouraged than when you left. That was his whole goal for the church. A lot of people feel that Paul was like kind of a harsh guy, sort of judgmental. His whole goal was to help people feel encouraged. And that's what he wants you to feel. And he says, not just encouraged, but united in love. Again, many of you read the King James Version. I love the King James. The King James Version here says, knitted together in love. The notion is somehow that when we are knitted together, that we actually have a deeper understanding. He says that in the next sentence. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Encouraged in heart and united in love, knitted together, so they can have the complete riches of complete understanding. Again, not to throw too much Old Testament or New Testament language, but the Greek is ecclesia for understanding. That's where we get our word church. And the notion is that we get understanding by coming together every week. You can't understand the world by just sitting at home by yourself. You come here and you build a house. The house is built by all the bricks of every different person here. Not just understanding in an ethereal way, but in order that they may know the mystery of God, that you know, may know God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God actually wants us to understand God, which is huge. We'll wrap our minds around that in a second. So my wife Star had her birthday this last Friday, and I asked her permission to say how old she was, and she said that would be fine. Tell them she's 36, she said, and also tell them next year she's also going to be 36, <laughs> and the year after that. 
But you know how birthdays are. You have a tendency to look back on your life and to think about where you have come and where you're going. You start to see the bricks sort of fit into place. I'm 37 years old, and I can honestly say that the longer I am around and loving God, I would, I would just hasten to add that, you can't just live to an old age and gain wisdom or understanding. There are a lot of people who are older who have no understanding or wisdom. It's understanding with God. It's growing older with God. But as I grow older with God, I feel like I'm starting to get a picture of the, of the house he's building in my life. And I was just thinking the other day, why did God have me born I was born in Laguna Beach, California. Laguna Beach. Anyone ever been there before? We're talking driftwood art, surfers. Back in the day, they had those Jesus sandals with tire bottoms in the bottom. It was a weird place to be born. Then I always wondered why I moved from there to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Boise, okay? Boise, Idaho. The Snake River Stampede, rodeos, Barber Mandrill, the Oak Ridge Boys. Boy, did we do all that. <laughs> We had 10 stations, all of them were country in Boise. Then I always kind of wondered, like, what's up with Merced? I have about uh, three generations from Merced, and they had 1,000 acres of almonds, not almonds, almonds, you know, because they beat the L out of them, and then they hit the ground. Anyway, (laughs) so in Merced, (laughs) they're almonds. So if anyone could be from a weirder place than Laguna Beach, Boise, and Merced, I ask you, well, I'm starting to figure it out in the 37th year. God called me to Paso Robles. <laughs> now, I mean that in all, uh, in all graciousness. I think God put me in Laguna Beach. Isn't, isn't Paso Robles a combination of Laguna, Boise, and Merced? It's got the surfer culture sort of, you know, kind of the flip-flop California deal, the designer jean thing. You've got the the mid-state fair, you got the cowboys, and you got the ammon, or whatever they do over there. (laughs) So I start to see what God is doing as I grow older with God. And it isn't just me. God wants you to see what God is doing in your life as you grow older with God. And as you start to see that, you start to begin to figure out why that painful experience came about. Because you see that that fits with this thing. And as you start to see that, you, want, you start to see, well, I never understood why that happened to me. But now that I start to see this house developing that God is building, I can see God using that. That's what I want to talk about today. Let's talk about this, just, real, uh, just uh, three main points. Number one, God actually understands you. That's huge. He understands you. He understands us. He understands the world. I like people who understand things. Comedians often find, understand things. Uh, have you ever seen the Dilbert Principle or heard about this guy? He does understanding about work. I like this stuff. Uh, he says, don't be irreplaceable. If you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. That's kind of cute. He says, when you don't know what to do, walk fast and look worried. I do that very well. He says, everything can be filed under miscellaneous. Yep, I do that, do well too. He says, if you're good, you'll be assigned all the work. If you're really good, you'll get out of it. Yep. (laughs) He says, if it wasn't for the last moment, nothing would get done. Mm Mm-hmm. Keep your boss's boss off your boss's back. Mm Mm-hmm. And this last one I don't really get. Eat one live toad the first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen the rest of the day. (laughs) A lot of worse things can happen in the rest of the day. So some people understand like work. But God understands life. 
Most people actually just sort of see their lives right here. And some people, if you're really, really understanding, you start to see kind of your whole life like I just talked about. But God sees your whole life, your whole life, your future. He knows what kids, your kids will have. And he knows what they will do and who they will marry. He knows what jobs you will get and which ones you will lose. He knows what financial hardships you will have and which ones you will recover from. He knows how long we will live. And he knows when we will die. He knows everything. He understands not just this piece. And he also understands when many of us will come to new life again in Jesus Christ after that. He sees not just this life, but the all of life. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me show you some pictures. What, what is this a picture of? Swimming pool. Thank you. What's this a picture of? Nice deck on the side of a swimming pool. Uh, this one. There we go. And kind of a little walkway possibly. We start to pan back a little further. And finally we see my vacation home in Bermuda. No. <laughs> I don't have that. God pans back in your life. He sees your entire perspective. My favorite verse about this in the Bible is Psalm 147. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Second thing, though, is that God doesn't just understand us, which, by the way, I find extremely comforting in a world that doesn't seem to understand anything. He also wants us to understand ourselves. He wants us to understand our lives, the people around us. He wants us to be a part of this thing. He's a generous God that way. I don't know if you like these kind of science fiction movies like 2010 where the computer like takes over the spaceship. You know, when you create something and you give it the power to understand itself, anything can happen. But God created you and he is giving you the power to understand you and your world. You think you live with someone you don't understand? God wants to give you the understanding of that person. I'll tell you three ways that God does this. Number one, God does this through time. Again, time with God, not just time. Time with God. I heard about three older guys who were uh, uh, upper 90s. They're going in for a mental, uh, you know, cognitive exam. And the doctor asked this first guy, now what is one plus one? And the old guy said, 274. And the doctor's like, you know, this is going to be a long day. And the next guy, he asked, well, no, just tell me, what is one plus one? Tuesday, said this guy. Whew, okay, I get this day. Finally, he asked, well, what's, what's one plus one to the third guy? And the guy said, it's two. Oh, you have no idea how happy that makes me. He said, well, tell me, how did you get it that? Well, I subtracted 274 from Tuesday. <laughs> See, I knew you were going to wake up early. I'm just trying to keep you awake, all right? But with time, we actually develop understanding. That's why big decisions in your life, you actually need to take time to make because you get understanding with time. Second thing, though, is love. You can't be understanding without love. Loving people. We talked about this through the Fully Loved series. Mother Teresa, one of the most wise people in the last century, she would give advice to prime ministers and to presidents she would give advice to kings and, and senators who would come and visit her in Calcutta. And Malcolm Muggeridge came to Mother Teresa and asked, Mother, how do you have such understanding of the world? Which newspapers do you read? 
I don't read newspapers, she said. Well, what about books? Which books do you read? You know, international studies? Well, I've never read a book about international studies. But how do you have that? She said, well, look around. I love these people. My understanding comes from the love that these people have given me and that I have for them. She said, in this life, we can do great things. We, can, we, can only, we cannot do great things. We can only do small things with great love. She said, intense love does not measure. Intense love just gives. So second love, and the third and most important is faith. It's the faith that we know that God understands, but also faith actually helps us understand things we can't understand with our own minds. One of my favorite pastors, a guy named Leonard Sweet, was heading into a hospital, and he was so mad. He was going to visit this little girl who was seven years old and dying of cancer. He was just mad that he would live in a world where this would happen and that a little girl would have to have this terrible, awful thing happen to her. And so as he walked in there, he just brought all that heaviness of trying to understand this thing and not being able to understand it. Well, then he noticed this little girl in her bed with the tubes in her noses and wires coming out of her hands. And he also noticed her grandmother lying in this bed around this little girl. Well, pastors know when it's kind of a big moment and not to interrupt. And so he just laid his card quietly down. And as he left the room, he started to hear the grandmother singing. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Grandma's going to buy you a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, Grandma's going to buy you a diamond ring. And as he walked out of that hospital, his anger disappeared. Understanding came in place. He realized that that was a holy moment. That somehow God had allowed him to be a part of this sacred space in this hospital. Faith helped him to understand something that was un, not understandable, inexplicable in human terms. So number one is time. Number two is love. Number three is faith. And number four, and the last thing we talk about today, is that God actually wants us to understand God. That's what our text is about. That we will know the mystery of God. I would be happy if God just let us kind of figure our own thing out. You know, that would be huge. But that we could actually understand God that's something that we should live for. Uh, ben Rosslenberger uh, has been in the news recently and for not so good things. But, you know, he was the first quarterback when he was the youngest quarterback ever uh, to win the Super Bowl. He was so wise and understanding on that football field. The way his feet worked, he could drop back. He knew a pocket. He could understand the field. But he was so dumb in his life. Reporter asked him afterwards, you know, Ben, how do you... How do you justify driving uh, your motorcycle without a helmet? I mean, that is just dumb. Ben said, well, it's, it's, not, it's not the law. I'm not breaking the law. It wasn't the law in that state. I don't actually have to. If it doesn't say the law doesn't say I have to do it, then I don't have to do it. Yeah, but it's just not too smart. Well, Ben got in a car or a motorcycle accident, as you remember. Right after that motorcycle accident, he went into surgery seven hours reconstructive surgery in his life. And the first interview he did was, I believe God saved me from this. And I believe that there's a power bigger than me. This is Ben, right? Now he's got a lot of learning to do still. But as we gain understanding, 
it grows us closer to God. And God isn't just this big ethereal thing in the sky. God is where people are hurting in this life. So we want to get closer to God, we get closer to the least of these. And so we get closer to guys like Alan, who have monsters in their closet. And we understand them. And we start to be able to love them. Most of all, it draws us closer to the cross. We start to understand, understand what God did for us there on Calvary. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this word and this gift, which you give us mortals the power to have. It's so much bigger than we are, and yet you give us this chance. So I ask, Lord, that you would fill this congregation with not just passion and charisma and energy, but also wisdom and understanding. And we know you will do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.